Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Sutofil Corner llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud marca el Arsenal marca Olivier Giroud gol de los Gunners This is Arscast Extra Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you, James. Good morning to you. How are you doing? I am all right. I'm uh, coping with the cold. Winter has arrived. The car Very was so. iced over this morning. It was freezing when I was getting out of bed, and I, you know, I don't like to be cold. I have, mm. a, I have a problem with it. I don't think humans are necessarily designed to be cold. I don't understand people who go, oh, I hate the heat. I hate when it's really warm. I, I just don't get it. So uh, apart from that, I'm all right. Apart from that. Right, yeah. I mean, if you put a human in the cold for long enough, it will die. So make of that what you will. <laughs> That's true. But also, if you put one into a volcano, they'll also die. So, That's you know, true. extremes but at both ends are bad. At least they'll be lovely and warm, though, eh? For a couple of seconds. Well, delicious for a couple of seconds. Yeah. Would you, Would you? if you, uh, let's say you were standing at the, the lid of a volcano, what do you call it? The entrance? I don't the know. The lip? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm sure there are some... Edge. Yeah, the edge. Yeah, that's... <laughs> some vulc volcanologists out there uh, who listen to this who can tell us. Anyway, you're standing there, and let's say uh, somebody threw you in, it's a few hundred feet down. Would you... Would you hit the lava and then just sort of melt and disintegrate, or would the heat get you before you even hit the, you know, the the lake of lava? That's a great question. I don't know. Mm. I, I I think that you would uh, as you hurtle towards it. I'd like to think that you you would hit it and experience that at least to know what that was like. Otherwise, it would feel pointless as an exercise. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it might save you from from searing pain. I don't I don't know. It's not a way I would I would choose to go if I had to. Even though you really like heat? Uh, yeah, even though I do really like heat. Um, okay. But, you know, that would be, the, you know, that's just a bit too hot. A bit too okay. hot. Okay, okay. Unlike... In moderation. Exactly. Unlike the North London Derby yesterday, which wasn't that hot. It was quite a tepid affair, I thought. Is that in, in terms of atmosphere or... Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what do you think of, like, a midday kickoff for a it's game like this? It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. It's difficult. I, you know, it was ever so early. Um, you know, I woke up, I'd been out on Saturday night, I was feeling slightly worse for wear on Sunday morning, mm. and then as soon as I woke up, I basically had to go to the ground. Um, and so, the, you know, there was a bit of a hangover. There was a good atmosphere right at kickoff. you know. I feel like they always had this sort of moment of remembrance, and all around that there was kind of a, a bit of a charged atmosphere, but it evaporated pretty swiftly i guess you know people could muster a bit of energy for the start of the game but yeah. then once they realized that it was still 
effectively midday, uh, that dissipated somewhat. Yeah, on a Sunday, you know, it takes people a bit of time to to warm up. Um, you know, that's precisely why they've done it, though, isn't it? Really, to make sure that everyone's not. You know, plastered by yeah, but I mean, haven't they concerns. haven't they had like um, four o'clock kickoffs for this game in the past? You know, it's not as if it's a game that's traditionally. I know there are issues between uh, the, the sets of fans and police want to control things and keep things as tidy as possible. But it's not as if there've been full scale pitch battles or anything like that. Um, mm. I, I think the twelve o'clock kickoff really does suck a lot of the atmosphere out of it, and I also think it's a strange kickoff time for players. I know they should be used to it, and you know we've got twelve forty five. Kickoffs and one thirty kickoffs, two o'clock kickoffs, all the, all those kind of things. But I do feel like it does have an impact on the game, on the atmosphere, on the way the fans are are set up, and obviously the quality of the game itself has an impact on um, you know the atmosphere and the ground. You know, if Arsenal had scored a couple of goals, I'm pretty sure everyone would have woken up very nicely and been been well on top of things. But when you get a day that's uh, a bit listless, like it was yesterday in terms of the performance, I think that then transmits itself to the crowd who equally become a bit like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah, I saw after the match, Martin Keown was doing some punditry, and he called it an amazing game. He said it was an amazing game. What? So you would, you would, you would take issue with that, I, I assume. Amazing? No. I mean, no. <laughs> there was nothing amazing about it. The only thing that I found amazing was I, I'd never really heard of this Kevin Wimmer is it Wimmer or Vimmer? Is he German or English? What is he? I, I don't. I don't know. He's not English. I think he is. He might be German. Yeah. Right. Uh, you Google I'm him Googling, there. But I'm googling. I'm I, googling. I, I was looking at him um, as Austrian he, guys. Austrian. Austrian. Okay. Hmm. I was looking at him and his his physique, and it was a real throwback to I don't know when really fucking fat people used to play professional football. Um, there's a great screenshot. I think I put it up on Arsblog today where he's, he's heading the ball and it's just afterwards and he can see that it's going in. He has this grimace on his face, but his body is enormous. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Just compared to the other athletes on the pitch, maybe it's just the way his shirt is hanging out. I don't know. But, uh, you know, that was about the only amazing thing about that game yesterday was that, that a guy who, who, you know, he looks like um, he eats well, he winters well, as Dara O'Brien might say, um, w- was playing for them, and we still couldn't break them down. Amazing. I mean, there was... What, what? No, no. Who was he saying that to? I think his employers. I think it was the BBC. I'm not sure. Right. I suppose uh, they have to talk it up a bit, don't they? Because they're part of the hype and all that. But, I mean, God, that wasn't amazing. No, I, I mean, especially given some of the derbies we've seen in recent years, which have been absolutely electric. I uh, Yeah, I, I thought... <laughs> I came away from the game feeling that... I mean, what did you make of the result? I thought, given the pattern of play, it was probably a fair result. Yeah. I don't think we can have any complaints about the result um, based on the way that the game went, based on the, the opportunities that they had and that we had. I don't think a draw was an unfair result. I think where we could take issue is with with the performance. You know, mm. I think that's probably what needs to be analysed today more than more than the actual result. Because if you look at the game and you look at some of the chances they had, I mean, that Nacho Monreal block at the back post on Harry Kane was absolutely outstanding. Sensational piece of defending that. Uh, yeah, it really you know, was. Really committed. Um, and without that, we would have been behind. And the way we were playing yesterday... I, you know, you wouldn't have backed us to get a second goal. 
No, and I think also it's not. It wasn't just that chance. You know, you can think of the uh, Christian Eriksen free kick that mm. bounced off a post. I Czech thought that was decent, in. Yeah, I, Czech made a decent save as well mm. from Eriksen from a volley. You thought there was on the, in the free kick. You were yeah, saying. the minute it bounced, I was going, "Oh God, this is one of those." Because Czech yeah. had come and then he stopped, and you know he was going to be stranded in no man's land um, if the if the ball had gone in. You know, he was nowhere near it. It was just one. Of, I was just. My heart sank just for that split second when it bounced, and I thought, "Oh no!" Uh, How was your heart when Czech raced out of goal late on? Um, <laughs> mine, yeah. I tell you, mine was quite high up my esophagus. Yeah, I, I think that was much more of a fifty-fifty than it ended up being. You know, when you look yeah. at the replays, I think if it was Son, wasn't it? The, yeah. Uh, the South Korean, uh, about whom you should only say nice things, lest you get more trouble on your mouth. Um, I thought if he had been a bit braver, a bit more committed, he could have he could have nicked the ball. Um, mm. But obviously, you know, when you're uh, going in against a six foot five guy like Petr Cech, who's like definitely going to go all in on it, yeah, it was a bit reminiscent, wasn't it, of um, that time Mertesacker slipped over in the FA Cup final? Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, my heart was in my mouth a bit there. Um, and I just never really felt confident that we could go and, and get a winning goal. I don't think it really worked for us from a, from an attacking point of view. No, and, and if you try and pinpoint the clear-cut chances we had, I mean, I, I can think of that Giroud header, which went straight at the keeper very late on. Mm. But other than that, um, uh, there are none that really spring to mind. I mean, am I, am I missing anything? In the, I well, I mean, in the, in the second half, yeah. In the first half, obviously, there was that great Alex Iwobi chance. Um, yeah. Where I, you know, I think the game would have taken a different trajectory had we scored that goal because we'd started so poorly. We were so standoffish, second to all the second balls. Um, we, we just tend, we were caught on our heels so often, you know, it's like the old uh, thing your coaches shout at, you know, get on your toes and, and get ready and anticipate. And there wasn't enough of that from, from the Arsenal players. And then we'd come back into the game and we started to play uh, quite well. I think the Walcott shot off the post. Uh, energized people. There was a chance, wasn't there, for Mesut Ozil from the edge of the box after yeah. after uh, I think it was Alexis set him up and he sort of dragged a shot wide that he might have done better with. But this piece of football was absolutely brilliant between Ozil and Alexis. Um, I think Alexis kept the ball alive really well in midfield, uh, worked it with him and Ozil and then obviously played it into a great position for Alex Iwobi who had the chance to make himself a, a Derby Day hero, you know, a local boy, an Arsenal boy. This was his chance and I think his, his finish really lacked uh, any conviction and that, that tended to sum up the way we played yesterday, I think. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you don't want to pin too much on a 20-year-old you know, playing in the North London derby, but it's interesting that that's something else Omega's talked about in recent weeks, how Iwobi needs to start scoring goals, Has, hasn't got a goal this season, and, you know, that that probably factored into what happened there. He really sort of fluffed that chance, to be honest. And yeah. then shortly afterwards, there was another one. There was a, It wasn't a chance for him as much, but there was a counter-attack where Alexis and Ozil... Um, were in the centre and he chose to play in Walcott on the overlap and Ozil wasn't very happy about the weight of Awobi's pass. You wondered if that chance was kind of still in his mind. And I, and I think that if you think about the big wins at the Emirates recently, you know, Chelsea being the most recent, so much of it is about capitalising on those opportunities to score, especially in the first half of games, you know, really t being efficient with our chances. And I guess when you look at where the chances came for us, they were in the first half and we didn't seize upon them as much as we might have done. We got that own goal, but really that was making up for the fact that we ought to have scored prior to that. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I don't think it really clicked at all, did it? You know, we were suspect defensively that moment in the first couple of minutes when Mustafi got roasted by, by Son. I mean, you mm-hmm. could see that dummy coming a mile away. Like an absolute mile away. Um, and he, well, he, listen. I mean, are we? You know, are we doing that thing where we go? Well, a draw. <laughs> as Arsenal fans were like, well, no, a draw's a fair result. It, it, was a draw a fair result, or did we get quite lucky? <laughs> um, maybe. You know, I think on the balance, a draw was it was a fair result. You know, we did have mm. the chances, we didn't take the chances, and and look, you can get punished for that. Um, I mean, I'm, I I do, I do have concerns about our defensive situation to be honest I I feel like the results and the clean sheets have been obviously very welcome but also not necessarily illustrative of how we've played so if you looked at Mm -hmm. that and you saw Arsenal keeping whatever it is you know seven or eight clean sheets in the last 10 or 11 games you would think that we were rock solid but we haven't been, and we haven't been against much inferior opposition. Yesterday, Tottenham could have scored a few goals, as we've spoken about already. Um, I, I thought there was, a, I thought the two fullbacks were great. I thought the two centre halves were a little bit suspect, to be perfectly honest. Um, that's yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that that's a little bit of a worry for me. So when you when you're conceding that many chances in every game. I don't think you can necessarily complain if you draw a game, even if you've had chances yourself, and especially when you don't take those chances. Yeah, I think it, that is a bit of a worry, and it's almost not... I, I'd be loath to pin it on any individual, really. It's almost a, a system thing. You know, It's almost a, the way that we're set up. It's such an attacking uh, emphasis in the side with Walcott and Iwobi that naturally, and Ozil as well, I guess, as part of the midfield, naturally there's going to be, the back is going to be left exposed a little at times. Mm. Speaking of defensive vulnerability, what did you make of the the foul that, that led to the penalty after half-time? I think in, when I watched it in real time, I thought absolutely nailed on penalty. Um, when you look at some of the slow motion replays, you can see that Dembele sort of thrusts himself across Koscielny, but I still think it was a bit careless from from a guy with that experience, to be honest. Um, mm. It was a clumsy sort of a challenge. I think if it had been up the other end, we would be absolutely... Uh, screaming for a penalty. If it hadn't been given, we'd have been furious about it, you know. Um, so yeah, I look. It was just like what was it? Five minutes in, six minutes into the into the second half, something like that. And that was really frustrating because obviously that was going to be a really crucial period. Spurs had fallen behind just before half time. That had given us the momentum, and they were going to always going to come out the traps immediately, trying to get back into the game. And if we just seen through that first twenty minutes. Ah, you know, it, it could have made a really big difference, but to, to make an error like that uh, was pretty annoying. To be yeah, with yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think if you if you look back a couple of couple of minutes earlier, um, he he'd been nutmegged on the edge of the box, and mm-hmm. uh, only for a brilliant Bellerin tackle, we we might have been punished a bit further there as well. So, you know, this goes back to the the suspect defensiveness, or you know, the 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 fact that we're not as solid defensively as we would like to think that we are, or that we would hope us to be. Um, and then I think it was that period after the after the equaliser when they had those chances from Ericsson and from Kane again at the back post where Monreal made that great tackle. Um, you know, we, we, we were rattled a bit. And I had thought, you know, given the fact that we'd gone in having scored not long before halftime, I thought, OK, well, look, you know, that's the that's the thing that we need to get us going. And I just I, there was such a. It felt like the performance was really inhibited. The players really looked like they 
they were afraid to lose the game more than they were determined to win it, if that's if that makes sense, you know? Mm. Um, there was a chance to go top of the table, and it's not the first time that we've spurned a chance to go top of the table. I do wonder if the pressure uh, of the game, the fact that it was a North London derby, the fact that we could go top of the table, I just wonder if if the pressure got to them a little bit, you know? And, and we have seen this team um, show its, its mental strength um, this season, you know, a uh, big game against Chelsea, and we played exceptionally well. Uh, you come back from 2-0 down against Ludogorets, uh, and that does show some, some mental strength and character. We haven't lost since the opening day of the season, and that's obviously a very positive thing. But, you know, it's, it's maybe the little things, it's the fine margins that will dictate whether or not this is a team that can go and, uh, and win the title. And I just, I couldn't quite understand the way the way we played. There was a, a moment in the first half. Do you remember when Coquelin, I think he went steaming in on a tackle with Wanyama or, or uh, Danny Rose, one of those, and it, the crowd got going. It was a great m- moment that you felt, okay, look, that's what we need to, to lift the team. But it didn't last. You know, It did maybe have a little impact in the way that we played towards the end of the first half, but it, it just didn't last throughout the second throughout the second half. So Yeah. I thought Coquelin, to, to offer some praise, was was one of the bright spots, particularly in the first half. He was one of the guys who was playing at kind of the level of intensity yeah. that you would expect in a yeah. North London derby. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I thought he justified his selection, definitely. Uh, I, I, I think Spurs as well... As, as it much as it pains me, I think they played pr- quite a strategically smart game. There was a lot of spoiling going on. You mentioned Wanyama there. I mean, how he got away without <laughs> at least a booking was quite extraordinary. Yeah, to be honest. amazing, amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's just a big fucking kicking, fouling wall of a guy in in midfield. Um, mm. That that's what his job is, and that's what he did. But yeah, I agree. I was very surprised he got away without a booking, particularly like late on the one where he went through the back of Giroud. Yeah. Just outside their box, and I think uh, the referee played an advantage. Um, but that he didn't go back and book him for that was was amazing. It was like he's fucking Teflon. Yeah, he's yesterday. got something on Clattenburg, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Spurs, you know, disrupted our, our rhythm, I guess, and uh, it was frustrating. They played the, th- the three at the back. There was a lot of post-match chat about this three at the back, you know, in the, the, the press mm. conference. It was interesting, all the journalists sort of inquiring uh, to Wenger about the three at the back. Did you prepare properly for the three at the back? Theo Walcott said he didn't expect there to be three at the back. I mean, I don't want to be too Luddite about the whole thing, but I, I'm not convinced that that was necessarily our, our problem yesterday. No, I don't I don't think so either. I think Arsene Wenger said it after the game. He said our problems were, went a bit deeper than them playing three at the back. Mm. Um, I think it was probably a surprise, and I think the setup worked. I, I was, a, again, part of the disappointment, perhaps, as you look at that back three, and you think, well, they're... We we have players who could exploit that. They They're not the greatest individuals. No, exactly. Like Vertonghen was there, but then who do you have? Uh, Vimmer and Eric Dyer. Mm. You know, that's I think part of why we were a little bit disappointed as well. Is that you're looking at that as a back three, and okay, they have two fullbacks who can tuck in when when we have possession. So it essentially becomes a, a five at the back. Um, but I, I did feel like we had players uh, who could have who should be able to anyway uh, uh, take advantage of that. But I don't think, like I said, I don't think it clicked from an attacking point of view. I don't know that we really connected, the team really connected from front to back the way that it has. Um, no. What did, what did you mean, make of the midfield with, with Xhaka and Coquelin? I mean, that was, a, I think, a show of faith in Xhaka anyway. 
Yeah, it was. I was actually a bit surprised. I thought it might be uh, Mohamed El Nenny yeah. alongside Cochrane, just because he's picked El Nenny in some big games already this season, and I think you know he's very reliable. But then, on the other side of the coin, if you go and spend that kind of money on a central midfielder and you're afraid to, not afraid, but concerned to start him in a game of this magnitude, then you know maybe that's not a great sign. So putting Xhaka yeah. in was a show of faith. I thought he, you know, he kept his his discipline, which is obviously one of the the talking points around him. I thought his distribution was pretty good. I thought actually that both Shaka and Coquelin, uh did pretty well, and I was surprised when it was one of those guys who was withdrawn for Aaron Ramsey. I thought maybe it would be Iwobi or someone playing further forward. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there was an indication there of some future some future thoughts from Arsene Wenger. Um, we've spoken, I think, a bit about the Xhaka Ramsey thing, haven't we? So mm. maybe that was a little bit of an indication. Um, One thing I noticed in our attacking play yesterday was that for the first time in a while, it occasionally felt as if we just weren't getting enough uh, bodies in the box, which uh, it seems odd because, you know, that's Theo Walcott's been doing that so well, Iwobi's been doing that well. But I just uh, there were a couple of occasions yesterday where it felt like we were a little bit too disparate in our attacking mm. play. Mm. Uh, it's difficult to know why that is, you know, it's just that, as you say, it's that kind of chemistry not didn't quite click as you might have hoped. Yeah. So look, he, I think the manager signalled his intentions as to what he wanted from the game. He wasn't content with a point, he wanted to win it, so he threw on Ramsey for Coquelin, he threw on Giroud and Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, for uh, Iwobi and, and Walcott, so attacking substitutions, looking for those players to change the dynamic of the game, and, uh, well, it didn't work at all, did it? No, it didn't. I think it was, you know... Emmanuel Abue was wearing Oxlade Chamberlain's shirt, and <laughs> it was one of those substitute cameos. Couldn't get anything right, really. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was quite something, wasn't it? Yeah, there was one in particular. I think maybe it was his first big error where he was sort of central, and I think looked to pass out to Bellerin and just knocked the ball completely out of play. It was yeah. really Th- there, there was another one, wasn't there, where, where he took a shot um, when he should have crossed, and he blasted it miles over, and Alexis in the middle just went bananas he's going fucking nuts at him Um, but you know he came on and and like pretty much everything he did was wrong Um, Mm. he made a number of fouls very obvious fouls as well Um, so yeah it was was not the impact that he wanted from from his substitutes yeah Ramsey was kind of uh he was also taking quite a few wild shots on it. It seemed to me, uh, you know, obviously trying to make something happen as is his natural game, but didn't really have the desired impact. And Giroud, uh, well, you know, he, he offered a focal point, but increasingly, when Alexis gets put, pushed into those wide areas, he doesn't seem to be quite as effective. So there's a trade-off there, isn't there? When you yeah. when you bring Giroud on and push Alexis out wide, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it didn't. It was it, well, the funny thing is I remember arriving at the ground looking at the team sheet and thinking what an incredibly strong bench it was, uh, you know because we also had yeah had, I don't know who else we had do we have Gibbs Jenkinson El Nenny people like that Spina really strong, but couldn't influence couldn't influence the game as we yeah. desired yeah so I mean uh, yeah people will talk about Santi Cazorla won't they again I mean inevitably it feels like it, whenever we drop points and he's not in the side it, it's natural to to point at that I mean do you think it's a uh, do you think it's pertinent that he was absent? Look, I mean, he's the kind of guy who might have made a difference yesterday, who could have perhaps have linked the, the midfield and attack a little bit better. I, you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that 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 would have solved anything. You know, it's like Santi Cazorla has become a cure-all 
for everything that's wrong in the team when he's not there. And, you know, there have been games, of course, when Santi Cazorla's played and we've we've struggled in very similar ways. So I think it's more to do with the uh, with the team overall. I mean, I you know, if you'd had him there yesterday, even to come on from the bench to just add a little bit of something to midfield, then then it would have been, I think, very welcome. But, you know, you've put Ramsey on, a guy who can do things from midfield. Oxlade-Chamberlain has five goals this season. Giroud has had an impact from the bench, you know, when he came on the other week and obviously scored in, in midweek against Ludogorets. So, yeah, I think, again, that just adds a layer of disappointment to it, doesn't it? Because you look at the starting eleven and go, well, at least if that doesn't work, we've got so much on the bench that could come on and change the game. And when they when they came off the bench, they, they had very little impact whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. A disappointing, disappointing day overall. It was a disappointing day. And, I mean, look, it's not... You always want to beat Spurs, especially at home. Mm. Uh, and I feel like in the last few seasons, these these kind of one-all tight draws have been creeping in more and more and more. Uh, it, it was the result of last season, wasn't it, yeah. as well? Oxlade Chamberlain got the equaliser, a bit of a different day for him on that occasion. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is irritating. It's a better result for them than it is for us. Yeah. Uh, and we missed the chance to go top. I mean, sure. you know, I, I'd love to believe that we're playing this clever game where we don't want the pressure of <laughs> being top and we're just hovering behind waiting for to pounce at the last minute. But it is quite frustrating, especially, you know, Liverpool, you'd have to say, did not look remotely as inhibited, albeit against a, a lower class of opposition. Yeah, yeah. So is is this a well-timed interlull? I mean, we, we should point out again that we, we, we do remain unbeaten since the opening day of the season, as disappointing as yesterday was, and it probably feels quite disappointing for the players. I suppose the positive that Arsene Wenger will try and take from it is that we still haven't lost, that we are on this unbeaten run, and then obviously we've got a, we've got a huge game uh, when we return to action against Manchester United at Old Trafford. But is it time... Does it give him time to sit down and maybe think about some of the things that are wrong with the team defensively? How does he get them attacking again? What does he do with Alex Iwobi, who looks like a guy who might need to come out of the firing line a little bit? Does he change the system? Does he bring Giroud back and put Alexis left? I mean, is it is it a good time for him to think that? I think it is a good time. I think the consequence of the international break, though, is that it makes this Manchester United game on the 19th of November feel all the more huge. And I think the Spurs result plays into that too. You know, it's it's like having not won against Spurs, uh, to go and lose in Old Trafford would make this feel like, oh God, here we go, November again. It, it would create all those feelings. So the necessity of getting a positive result there, uh, I feel like it's ramping up all the time. If someone offered you a draw and a win from these two games, which game would you choose to win? Like before wow. yesterday, obviously. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, for me, I I think I would still choose to win the derby. But, I mean, look, for Arsene Wenger to get his first Premier League victory over Jose Mourinho would, would be a major landmark and mm. something to celebrate, certainly. I just think, given the, the ferocity of the rivalry, I would probably say the derby. Also, because it's the home game, I feel like, you know, you want your home to be a a fortress uh, so I would still say that what about you I think I would go for the United game to be honest really Just, yeah I feel like we've got to lay some ghosts to rest after what happened there last season like a 1-1 draw with Tottenham in isolation when you look back at the way the derby has gone down the years is a very familiar result 
So take mm-hmm. take context out of it and take performance out of it and everything else. You know, one one draw with Tottenham uh, in the derby is annoying because you always want to beat them. But you know, we've been there plenty of times. I just feel like after what we did last season at Old Trafford, that fucking shit show of a performance and the way that it impacted uh, the rest of the season and just how frustrating that day was added to the fact that we've got Jose Mourinho in charge there now I I would I would take a win there because I think it would probably do something for the team because I think they can look at a 1-1 draw with Tottenham and rationalize it because the, the derby is a derby and you know, it's got this extra layer of stuff but if they go to Old Trafford and beat Manchester United I think they'll take a lot more from that than they would against um a win against Tottenham well, I mean, I think that, that there would certainly be a massive benefit. You know, when you were talking then about what happened there last season, mm-hmm. I was searching my brain because it was so traumatic that I, <laughs> I've completely blocked it out. And then it all came back to yeah. me, the full horror of that performance. Oh, my God. That was really bad. That was a terrible day. A terrible day. So, you know, for that reason, I would, I would choose that. And I think, you know, when we look at, um, when we look at this team and look at the way they performed... Um, it was always going to be this month that that gave us a better idea of how good they are, how strong they are, what their title credentials are. Mm-hmm. Much more than no uh, October, you know. October was kind in terms of the fixtures. This month is not particularly kind, um, and I think you know we're going to get a better idea of of how things are going to go. I mean, did you watch anything else from the Premier League uh, this weekend? I saw the Liverpool game. I yeah, saw, I, I watched that too. Uh, you sound sad about it. <laughs> I sound sad because they they look good, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. There's a, a liberation in the way they're playing. You know, especially going forward. That's. Uh, I mean, you know, it's exciting to watch, but you just it's just a shame it's Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, I didn't see Chelsea, but uh, I gather. That they were very good against a, a quite poor Everton. Side. I saw I saw some of Chelsea, all right, um, but then I went out. But I mean, I watched it on on match of the day. I think their goalkeeper had a shocker, and uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is. I know we spoke about Ronald Koeman before, and you you talked about him as a potential uh, replacement uh, for mm-hmm. Arsene Wenger when when he decides to leave. And I think that kind of result and that kind of performance is exactly why we need to find somebody better than, than Ronald Koeman, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he, he'll get a team to a certain level, but that's it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he's the guy at all. I think, uh, well, it's certainly a terrible result, so you might be right in that respect. I think that it's interesting as well, how much credence do you put in the idea that Liverpool and Chelsea, the top two, you know, are there because they're the sides who haven't got European football this season. Do you think that's... I think, I think it's, that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, as Arsene Wenger said, look, they would want to be playing European football. But mm. I, I do think it must be a benefit physically and also um, mentally is not the right word, but in terms of the way that you can prepare for games. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, if, if Arsenal don't have any European football in midweek, then you've got a week to prepare for a game against Tottenham. As it is, you come home on like late Tuesday night, uh, the players have uh, like a warm-down session on the, on the Wednesday, maybe a training session on the Thursday. You've got a day off. I think they had a day off on Friday, then a training session on Saturday. You know, um, 
I, I just think it probably is a benefit from a preparation point of view, and I think there's probably a physical benefit too, although I do wonder if sometimes we get a little bit carried away with how tired these professional athletes must be from from playing a game of football, you know, two or three times a week. Um, of course, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, they, they would be fresh, and Chelsea are going very well. Um, you know, they've re- responded since the, the, the beating that we gave them. Um Seems to have <laughs> sparked them into life. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Leicester lost. Manchester United won, of course. Yes, and Manchester City, I mean, Manchester United picking up form just in time for our visit, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Manchester City dropped points again. That was a, a big surprise. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I was maybe watching. Our result, maybe game. our draw with Middlesbrough wasn't wasn't the disaster we thought. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think that this is the thing. It's going to be a very competitive Premier League title race. It is, and and teams are going to drop points to teams that you would normally expect them to to beat, um, and, and that's going to go for all the top teams. So it's not something that's just unique to us, uh, to be honest. What what do you think of uh, Ibrahimovic not being available for for the game against us? I think that's. <sighs> I think that's good news. Do you think, I think so? That's good. Yeah, I do, actually. Mm. I think that, um, although, you know, he's a, he has his limitations these days, I think, uh, I don't know, he's the kind of, I just, it's the character, it's his character that troubles me. Right. He feels like someone who, I don't want anyone, any allies of Mourinho, I want as few allies of Mourinho on that pitch as possible. I want yeah. the players who aren't sure about him and aren't convinced. Mm. Yeah, I just uh, feel you, like you think it's good. Yeah, I just feel like he might have been an easier guy for Mustafi and Koscielny to handle than if he plays someone like Rashford, who's super quick, or mm. or Martial. I'm not sure. You know, um, you know, he has looked like a 35 year old guy who's you know come off playing in a fairly uncompetitive league. Uh, the way the the league was uh, and yeah. PSG were, you know, he, he looked like a guy who's now maybe feeling his feeling his legs and feeling his age a little bit because the Premier League is just quicker and faster and stronger and everything else. So yeah, maybe maybe it is a good thing, but uh, I, I would have been relatively happy with him being there. But the way it is, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I guess if he was there, then we'd be able to have the chance to make him. Look sad on the football pitch, which yeah. would be an incentive again. Yes, know? all these, all these little extra things. All right, well, look, anything else you can think of from the? Um... Ron Van Persie's eye came out, or something. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I'm trying to get an update on it now. Basically, Ron Van Persie, his, he tore his eyelid while playing for Fenerbahce. Right, um, it well, was, that it was gross. Quite spectacular. Yeah, it really did look like it had just been gouged out but apparently no impairment to his vision no long term damage oh I like uh, this I just googled I just googled Robin Van Persie I and the yeah. first result is from the BBC uh, Fenerbahce striker in good condition after eye injury on the, the strap line Fenerbahce played down fears that Robin Van Persie has suffered a serious eye injury the next one down fears Robin Van Persie will never see again <laughs> after being stretchered off uh, you'll, you'll, uh, that was from the sun. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I can buy that. Um, what else to say? Jack Wilshire's back in the England squad. So it turns out his low moves was all worth it in the end. Good for him. I'm delighted for him. Yeah. <laughs> I watched, I watched the Bournemouth game, Bournemouth Sunderland, uh, on Saturday because it was on the TV over here and I watched oh, that. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, how did that, how it was, was he? It, he was pretty ordinary. I think he got man of the match. 
Um, but I don't know. Didn't really do an awful lot. I didn't mm-hmm. think um, it was a quite a quite an exciting game. To be honest, it was. It was. Uh, I don't know how Sunderland won it. To be to be honest. Um, Bournemouth had so many chances. The keeper made like one of the saves of the season laid on. Uh, the Bournemouth striker took a ball down and volleyed it through a clutch of players and he just stuck his hand out. Just fantastic save. Um, but, a, you know, big win for Sunderland. Disappointing for, for Bournemouth. And I thought Wilshire was okay. You know, he was grand. He was there and did stuff pretty okay. But nothing nothing great yet. So... Uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll take uh, another few weeks for him to get back to his best, but I think that's what the second or third week in a row he's played ninety minutes. So you yeah. know, from that point of view, it's it's progression for him, and uh, and we'll we'll see how he goes. Yeah, we will indeed. Um, I think that's that's probably it from the weekend for me. All right. Well, for me too. So what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll come back with your questions in part two right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you sent to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog, and also on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the ArsBlog. But before we do that, just want to tell you about a live Arscast Extra Extra, I guess, because it's going to be the, the Friday Arscast, but it's taking place on... Shit. What date is it, James? Uh, the- <laughs> it's Thursday, the 20-something... 24th. Yes. ...of November. Talk about show preparation here. That's yeah. it. Uh, um, 24th of November, the day after uh, Arsenal's resounding victory over Paris Saint-Germain. That's it. <laughs> Uh, it's taking place in the garage in Islington. Uh, we're going to be there. Myself and James will have some guests, of course. We'll do the usual thing of uh, doing a Q&A with the audience. We'll uh, have a few beers. It'll be a great night, so it'll be uh, fantastic to see you there. We'll give you details about tickets. They should be on sale tomorrow, so keep an eye on Arsblog. Keep an eye on our, our Twitter accounts, at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog. We'll give you all the details of how you can get the tickets. Um, so just put the date in your diary. Make sure you're doing nothing else. Can't be washing your hair or or anything like that. Mm. Mm. No, or, or, or washing anything really. Ideally, out of live podcasts, just yeah. get your washing done before. Exactly, exactly. Now, James. Yes. Speaking of washing your hair, etc. Yeah. You posted a very interesting picture 
on Instagram this weekend. <laughs> and, yes, uh, I'm our, glad you think it was interesting. Our, our first question of the day comes from Ankit Walani, who's at Ankit Walani. Yeah. And he says, two questions. One, James, what the fuck? <laughs> two, can I have your number? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, would you like to describe the picture, Andrew? Send I it, will it. describe the picture. Um, are you, you're sitting in a taxi, is that right? Yeah, in a, in a cab. You're right. sitting in a cab, and um, you've got a long brunette wig on, mm-hmm. mm, sort of curling down, shoulder-length hair. You appear to be wearing some kind of uh, what I would guess is a, a dress, um, given the neckline with a, sure. a, a necklace around there, painted lips. And I have to say, James, it's one of the best pictures I've ever seen of you. Yeah, it's very flattering. Look, I mean, I I look disturbingly like uh, my sister. So, you know, for me, it's sort of odd to look at it. I must explain. Yes, please do. Uh, Yeah. I, on Saturday night, I had to attend a, uh, I didn't have to, I chose to attend my friend's uh, 30th birthday party. Okay. And the theme of this party was that everybody had to come dressed as the opposite gender right so i came as you say as a woman now there's a lot to explain about that for example on the friday i went to primark and had to go shopping for women's clothes but (laughs) they did you have to try stuff on they wouldn't let me obviously (laughs) well (laughs) so i went (laughs) i took you know i got like 10 or so nice outfits i thought might look nice on me and i tried to take them into the changing rooms and the guy was like oh you're not allowed then there, there was one guy who was working the door who I went back with a couple more bits, and he was like, oh, yeah, of course you can try those on. I want to try those on all the time. That's fine. He let me in. He was on my side, this guy. But the the staff rule is that I'm not allowed to. So I had to buy them all, go home, try them on, and then I I have to return about, you know, £100 worth of women's clothing at some point (laughs) this week (laughs) that I didn't end up wearing. But uh, the, the other thing about it was that I had to go to another party first and this was a professional engagement a work party so i had to go to that in my masculine as masculine as they are uh clothes right and then change on the way to the other party and so was this I, other party in uh, somebody's house or was it in a bar or a restaurant oh, it was in a pub it was in a pub yeah i had to enter a public space in right this but i had to get in a car i ordered an uber taxi and I got in the car um, and I had to explain to my driver, Mohammed that I was now going to disrobe and uh, change into <laughs> full women's <laughs> regalia. You did uh, that in the car? This yeah, is brilliant. I wow. Because I was like, I want to make an, uh, an entrance, you know. I don't sure. want to just turn up not, not looking the part. Um, so he was surprisingly good about the whole thing. I mean, I don't know if you have Uber in Dublin, but the way it works is that you, as a as a passenger, you get a star rating from the driver. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. I thought, yeah, I mean, we, we do have Uber, yeah, but I don't use it because it's an evil corporation, basically. It is an evil corporation, but uh, it's also very convenient yeah. for <laughs> anonymously looking to travel across London in a dress. Yeah. But uh, we, um, so I was like, well, my star rating is not going to be great for this journey as I sort of, you know, put my leggings on and my dress and what have you. But... You know, it was a great night. I had a, I had a lovely time and I had many compliments on how how pretty I looked. And I suppose the end of the, the, the end of the story, the vital end of the story, is that I then went to the game 
hungover. I had to wake up in the morning and scrub, because I had full makeup on. I had to scrub my eye makeup off, because I thought I can't turn up at the Emirates Stadium ostensibly as a football journalist, you know, with my eyeliner and <laughs> mascara still showing. Then uh, I got to the game and I was so cold, but I realised I had my leggings in my bag still. <laughs> <laughs> I had a spare set of leggings, so I went to the toilet, popped on my leggings under my jean. Well, it's an absolute treat. Snug as a bug in a rug. Yeah. Wow. So it, it all worked out well enough in the end. Okay, well, there you go. Um... <laughs> I mean, you know, seek it out. It's, it's, it's a, it is an extraordinary image. It is. Um, it's, it's on um, James's uh, Instagram, which is at jmcnick. Yeah. Um, so, so check that out. And, you know, if it makes you look at James a little bit differently, that's fine. Deal with those feelings. It's okay. It's, it's right, normal. Guys, it's, it's okay yeah. to be a little bit confused and, and aroused. What? Of course, Sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. Anyway, the let's, football. Let's have a question from you. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a good question. Uh, all right. Well, let's have this question, and this one comes from. Do you know what? I see this name on uh, Twitter sometimes, and I could never pronounce it. It's Georgianj. Giogh That'll do. Right. <laughs> and they ask, does United away suit our new style better than Spurs at home? And are you confident? Um, yeah, it might do, actually. It might do. Um, We're quite good away from home, aren't we? I mean, I, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know the stats, but I, I feel like that's something I see talked about. Our away performances and our away form is good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might to be to be perfectly honest. Um I do wonder what sort of what way Mourinho is going to play whether he'll look at our inability to not inability but how difficult we find it to break down a team that parks the bus and we know that he is the expert bus parker when it comes right down to it. Um he he can set up his teams very defensively, very negatively. Was it the Liverpool game that they did that? That was the, like the yeah, worst game of the season so far. Yeah. yeah, so I suspect that that's the way that he's going to play. Uh, and I think he might have maybe looked at the way that Tottenham marshaled Mesut Ozil yesterday. There was always somebody very close to him, denying him space. Um, there was no space at all if you look uh, at, at the game yesterday. Not once, I think. Maybe Ozil was offside once, but it was quite early in the game. And after that, Tottenham never left him any space to try and run in behind. So I don't imagine United are going are gonna to do that either. So I think it might just suit us a little bit better than that. Although I do think they're going to take a very defensive um, outlook. But I mean, do you think there'll be pressure on him as the manager of Manchester United after doing um, you know, what he did against Liverpool do you think the fans will try and pressure or put some pressure on to, to be a bit more expansive, to be a bit more Manchester United than Mourinho, if that makes sense? I think they might, but I can't see him compromising on that. You know, he never really has done. I mean, it was always a kind of bone of contention at Chelsea, wasn't it, that Abramovich wanted this more free-flowing attacking style and Mourinho's you know, not really that kind of manager. I think it's funny because United fans were so insistent. That's that's what they hated about Van Hal, wasn't it? They mm. played this very turgid football, quite dull, quite slow tempo. And then they, you know, they celebrated the arrival of Mourinho. There was no real logic to that. It, you know, it, it kind of from the same school, really. Yeah. Um, so, and I, but I think there is pressure on him, even if not in terms of style, to deliver a big, convincing 
result, right? I mean, like, you know, they they were hammered at Chelsea and, yes, they got a point at Liverpool, but it was a dire display, as you say. So yeah. I think there is a kind of pressure incumbent on him. I, I, the point about home and away, I, I just had a look at the home and away tables for the Premier League. I mean, I don't know how much you read into this, but we're seventh in the home table, uh, trailing the likes of, you know, Burnley, Everton and Leicester. But in the away table, we sit top. Mm. Uh, 13 points from five games. Yeah. Which is which is pretty terrific. The problem we might have at Old Trafford is that Mourinho might set up his team like the away side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, does that say something about... Uh, yeah, about it the can team, be the way about... the fixtures fall, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, we've had... We've had tricky home games. We've played played some good sides, but I think you know, likes of Liverpool and Chelsea have been in there. Spurs already, mm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think maybe away from home is it to do with the style of play? Is it the fact that when we play on the counter, we're more dangerous than yeah. when we're you know sat in front of uh, uh, two massed ranks of lines, you know, you know, two two flat lines of four or five, as it was for Spurs yesterday. Mm. I mean, that's difficult to break down, and I think teams teams know that when they come to the Emirates, that is a strategy that can pay dividends. And I think the fact that Middlesbrough, and to a, an extent Spurs, have succeeded with that kind of style of play, it means we're going to encounter it more and more and more as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be... Gr- the Emirates doesn't really feel like a fortress... And the, I know it's a bit of a cliche, you know, the home must be a fortress and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it does feel like a place where our most disappointing results tend to happen. Um, I know we've had some difficult away games, uh, and I go back to that Old Trafford one last year. But, you know, games that you feel like we really should win at home, we don't. Um, uh, certainly, you know, uh, in the last couple of seasons anyway. So I do wonder. It'd be interesting to see... Um, I'm sure some of the stats guys have it like how many points we won away from home versus at home last season and and the season before. So uh, if somebody out there can tweet them at us and save us doing that research, that would be very welcome. Thank you. That would be lovely, yeah. Anything that gets us out of doing actual work would be brilliant. Yeah. All right, here's a question from uh, JB at Gunner Punner who wants to know what's the difference between diving and buying a foul? (laughs) Hmm. Uh, what, do, what, do, what do you think he's referencing specifically there? Is it a broader question or is he referring to something in yesterday's uh, game? Uh, Dembele, I think, sort of yeah. launching himself into Koscielny. I mean, I know the answer to this. Do you? Yeah. Go on. Okay. It's is diving. It if Arsenal players do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's diving if the opposition do it and it's buying a foul if we do it. I think that's that's the distinction, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean... I, I don't have a huge issue with what Dembele did yesterday. I, you know, I think, for me, Koscielny makes a, a kind of error, which is that he hangs his leg out. You know, I think that that's quite a foolish thing to do, really. And, I, you know, there is a cynicism about then, you know, forcing the contact and going over, but it doesn't it doesn't rile me uh too much. To no, I, I don't think it was quite as blatant as, let's say, the Jamie Vardy one last season. Exactly. Where yeah. Vardy sort of tumbles. And the one that drives me mad all the time is when the goalkeeper comes out and the defender before, or the striker, before there's even any contact made, he sort of lets his legs crumple and falls into the goalkeeper. Like, mm. that one drives me fucking bananas. 
Because if a striker is running through on goal and a, a goalkeeper comes out and takes his legs out from underneath him, you know what happens? He fucking somersaults up in the air and lands on his neck or his backside or somewhere. He doesn't yeah. just sort of skid gently to the ground with his arm up in the air going, penalty! That one drives me mad. And it, the, the, the fact that people go, oh, stonewall penalty. That Well, no, he fucking just dived. He, like, collapsed into the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, and they definitely do do that. It's so, weird. You sort of see them go from, like, running to sort of a swan dive. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's an odd one. But, I, yeah, I, look, I... Uh, in the in the specific case of Dembele, I don't think there was too much wrong with it. I think you're right. I think perception is <laughs> perception's key, isn't it? Mm. You know, if if our players do it, we'd probably credit them for being clever uh, rather than sort of admonish their cowardice. Mm. Um, but I, I think <sighs> the, the problem is that the players are playing within the parameters that the referees set. The players are basically working the referees at all times, right? They're basically just trying to get as much as they can out of the referees. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if referees continue to award penalties where players are exaggerating contacts, then they'll continue to do it and mm. see what they can get away with. Yeah, th- there was a lot of praise yesterday for Clattenburg, I thought. Was there? Yeah, on the TV and everything. There, were, there, was, a br- <laughs> there was a brilliant moment, actually, on on BT. So they come in at half time, and Rio Ferdinand, I think it was Rio Ferdinand, Ian Wright, and Harry Redknapp are in studio. So they're looking at the goal, uh, the, the Vimaron goal, and they're going, why isn't it offside? Why isn't it? Oh, look, Alexis Sanchez is offside. I mean, what, what's going on here? Well, you know, he's clearly interfering with play. So then they say, well, let's go to, um, let's go to Howard Webb. Mm. Howard Webb there explains that, yes, Alexis Sanchez is offside when the ball is played in, but because he doesn't make a move towards the ball, he's not doing anything that would trigger an offside offence. Lauren Koscielny is there also, but he's actually onside when the ball is played. So when he goes to try and head the ball, it's not an offence because he's actually onside. He's not offside. He explains this very clearly. And then they come back and Harry Redknapp's like, well, nobody knows what the offside rule is these days. It's like, he just fucking explained it to you, you thick cunts. <laughs> You're being, <laughs> you're being paid a fortune to talk about football. You say, I don't know how this works. You go to the referee expert who tells you in no uncertain terms exactly how it works and why it wasn't offside. And then Rio Ferdinand's going, yeah, but uh, spatial awareness. He's in my spatial awareness. It's like, you fucking gobshites. What the fuck is going on? It's like, that sounds absolutely amazing. An absolute rejection of an expert. A guy who told you exactly what was going on for the within the the laws of the game, and they they sat there afterwards going like, duh, it was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. Like, wasn't as even if it wasn't even as if it was difficult to understand what he said, and he repeated it twice. It was just bananas. I anyway, mean, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Harry Redknapp being an idiot, I think. Harry Redknapp being a I'm being stupid. Um, I actually have no idea. What to, oh, simulation. Mm. Diving. Mm. Diving and all that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think we settled that. I think it's, it depends on who does it, really. Yeah, if we do it, it's okay. You know, once it, once <laughs> it's not too blatant. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, another question? Yeah. This one comes from James Powell over on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, With the ox blowing hot and cold... Iwobi not ready to start week in and week out, and Lucas out injured for a few weeks. What's the solution to getting more from our wide positions? 
Ah, uh, that's a really good question. That mm. is a really good question. Because, you know, you, you might have thought, I think even a week or so ago, if a Wobi looked like he might need to be taken out the firing line, mm. the Oxlade Chamberlain would be a kind of an obvious replacement, a like for like. But I don't think his cameo against uh, Spurs did anything to further No, that case, but it was really. so bad and so bizarre and so just profoundly terrible yeah. that you do. Maybe you just have to look at it as uh, a really terribly shit, awful thing that happened for 20 minutes, and it's not necessarily representative of what he's done this season. You know, we've spoken about him having uh, having a better time this season than he has done uh, for quite a while. He's looked more productive, a little bit more confident. Whether that damages his confidence, which we know can be a bit fragile at times, um, is another question, but I... I don't. I mean, I saw people saying after the twenty minutes uh, yesterday, time to get rid. That's it. Finished. Sell him. Loan him in January. Um, and I, I sort of understand it because it was so bad. But I think that he's one of the only other options that we have at this moment in time. The other, of course, is to move Alexis out there um, and play Giroud up front. Mm. But I, you know, I do think maybe we did miss having somebody like Lucas yesterday. Um, just to have that that other bit of an option, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Oxide Chamberlain thing was was really weird because you know he's gone some way to to winning over some of the doubters, but then when he does that, you just go, oh, that's why, that's why I don't have any faith in him or or what have you, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I what do you think? Was first... it just tw- was it twenty minutes of madness, or was that like just a guy who can't cope with a big game like that in in high pressure circumstances? Well, it felt like someone who, I mean, and you're guessing at someone's psychology, which is difficult, but it felt like someone who kind of hyped themselves up too much. You know what I mean? Who mm. who'd built, who'd built up the game and had sat there on the bench thinking, right, when I come on, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to do yeah. this, I'm going to do that. And had kind of overworked himself into a state where he just had too much adrenaline and to, to make the correct decisions. And also, I think the mistakes kind of precipitated each other. You know, once the first ball went wrong mm. uh, I think that probably led directly to to the poor play on the second and third time yeah. uh, in terms of what I would do at Old Trafford it's it's actually quite tricky isn't it to say I I think it's quite an unpopular uh, opinion this but I I wonder if my replacement for Alex Iwobi might actually be Aaron Ramsey at Old Trafford so put him in a more advanced role on the right and, on the right or the left. I mean, I know he's never really played there, but I sort of think it's a similar, a similar thing, you know. Mm. And, and maybe you know, stick with Shaka and Coquelin, or, or hopefully Cazorla, if he's fit behind that. Yeah. I think that would be that might be the change I might look at making. But I mean, it's uh, you know, I think understandably people would rather see Ramsey in the centre. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's one from uh, Tiki. Tiki Techers at Tiki Techers, and he said in the last twenty minutes, Wenger opted for for Jack and Ramsey, uh, who said, and he says, which is what he'd wanted since the start of the season. Um, I don't, yeah, maybe he's got a personal line there to to Arsene Wenger, but uh, you know, I, I tend to agree. I think that's kind of why he, he bought Xhaka. and he said, do you think he'll start gearing for that pivot now? I mean, is that the duo he's gonna he's gonna look to try and establish as as a first choice? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, the one thing I'd say is that, you know, Coquelin, a lot of people wrote Coquelin off when Shaka came in and said, well, that's his time as a first team had done. Mm. 
I think he's responded really well to that. He started 11 games this season, and I think he's been he's shown himself to be a very important member of the team. I thought he did that again against Spurs. So I think, you know, for, for all Shaka's ability, and I think he is a really exciting player, I don't think he's... I don't think he's quite as defensively vigilant or mobile as Coquelin. Yeah, but I think uh, he played deeper yesterday more than Coquelin did. Coquelin was charging around and like you said he had yeah, yeah he was a bit more box to box he had that he had that intensity he was trying to close people down and press people which uh, you know I think was he was very effective at that at times yesterday but is that not more what Ramsey would do if he came in would he would he do that uh, do that particular job but with just a bit more craft on the ball yeah yeah perhaps perhaps uh, I don't think he's I don't think Ramsey's as defensively good as Coquelin. If you look at Coquelin's numbers, he's, he's very good in the air and he's very, very good in the challenge. But And I'm not sure Ramsey's quite as effective at winning the ball, but he's probably better using it, yeah. Um, certainly technically more accomplished. Mm. Uh, it, it's you know, Have we seen it yet, Shaka and Ramsey, apart from that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, we kind of need to see it, don't we? I mean, it's yeah. that thing of, we do need to see it, but is away at Old Trafford the time you want to trial it? That's, that's my slight worry you know yeah. that's what's holding me back yeah i think if Kazola's available arsenal will play Kazola and cockland because i think he he leans on that understanding that mm. those two players have for the most part I, I wonder if there'll be a fixture in which we considers it more appropriate to to try yeah. and ramsey and i i you know i've i've again going back to something you said a couple of weeks ago i feel sorry for mohammed el nenny yeah because he's he's just so consistent and I really feel like he, he can bring something to the team um, but maybe just not from, from a starting role I, I don't I don't know I don't know we'll, have, we'll obviously have to wait and see but I, you know I think his, his contribution has been not overlooked but maybe underappreciated yeah, I mean, uh, it's you know, it's funny. You look think back to those comments from Jack Wilshire saying, "Oh, we had a lot of midfielders," and then Arsene Wenger went and bought another one. And in that case, you felt like that was a bit inappropriate of Wilshire to say because he'd been unavailable for so long. Yeah. But El Nenny, having come in and had the impact he had at central midfield, uh, you know, he, he could justifiably feel a little bit irked at Shaka coming in and jumping him in the in the packing order. I suppose that's the nature of competitive squads. But mm. yeah, he probably deserves more game time than he's getting at the moment mm. alright um, another one from you another one from me sure let's have a little look um, it's, it's always always a few good few questions after Derby Day this one is from Fever Pitch and they ask what is the point of the Champions League apart from the mythical hangover and stopping us from winning the Premier League and I should point out the S in Champions is a dollar sign <laughs> And the and at the start of league, there's a pound sign too. Wow. So it's pretty clear what what they think about it. Right? Yeah. Well, we did have another question. This is from uh, Jace at Jace AFC, who says we've had poor performances against Burnley, Borough, and Spurs following Champions League games. What are we doing wrong? I mean, what is the point of the Champions League uh, to sell advertising uh, <laughs> for UEFA? I guess. Is pretty yeah. much it, um, I suppose. For us, though, what's the for point? us? What is the point? Look, it is, it is one of the most prestigious trophies that you can win in football. Uh, you you get into the Champions League as a consequence of where you finish in the Premier League, and we all want the team to finish as high as uh, it can possibly uh, finish in in the Premier League. Um, th- that there is a familiarity 
a soul-crushing tedium to European football when it comes to Arsenal is indisputable. You know, we, we've gone out in the round of 16 for the last six years in a row, and frankly, it's boring. The group stages are pretty much boring all the time. Um, you know, you look at a, you look at a draw where you get Basel and Ludogorets and, and PSG, and you think, okay, that's a relatively kind group, but it means you have to sit through uh, with with the greatest of respect to Ludogorets and FC Basel games against you know opposition that don't really bring an awful lot to the table. I thought Ludogorets were good the other night, and of course we we wouldn't have that Mesut Ozil moment, that brilliant goal um, if if uh, if we weren't playing them. But you know, let's not hang it up there as as the the pinnacle of of football in any way. Um, so I think you've got to progress for it to 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 really start meaning something. Um, was it a, a semi-final against Manchester United a couple of years ago? There was one, yeah. A few Ronaldo years ago, actually. Kick, yeah, Ronaldo yeah. scored a free kick. I think Kieran Gibbs made a mistake. But I remember the build-up to that game, the build-up, the atmosphere. It fell flat very quickly, of course, because of what happened. But the anticipation of that game, a, you, you know, a Champions League semi-final, it was amazing. It was fa- fantastic. And that's where... That's where European football starts to become interesting. Not necessarily the group stages, not even the round of 16, but once you get into the quarterfinals and you get a friendly draw and you might get through that and then you're a semi-final and who knows what might happen. So the point of the the Champions League for us is obviously to go as, as far as we can. We haven't done very well in it and until we do go a bit further, I can understand why people are just completely and utterly jaded with it. So that that's what I think. Yeah, I think, look, I, I don't love the Champions League in the way that some fans do, uh, but nor am I, you know, as jaded with it as a, a Manchester City supporter or what have you. I think that, you know, I'm really looking forward to Arsenal PSG. Mm. I think that's going to be a great game, a great night. I think it's small thing, but, you know, the fact that the games are played in the evenings, there is that kind of special atmosphere. And I, and I it's do not think, 12 o'clock in the day, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And I think that it's the envy of other clubs, you know. I, I enjoy the fact that we get to be in this competition that Spurs have fought so hard, you know, and so long to get in, and they are in it this mm. season, but it's, it's been a long time for them, and it's been a superiority. I enjoy uh, the glamour and the big nights, and I enjoy seeing our players tested against the best. You know, as frustrating as it has been losing to the likes of Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Um, you know, I've seen Lionel Messi at the Emirates Stadium. I've seen, you know, top, top players. You've seen and Andre I- Arshavin score uh, an incredible winning goal and then take off his shirt to reveal a T-shirt with himself on it. I mean, if that's not one of the great European uh, memories... I mean, th- I think, think about that, how know. brilliant that was, though. I mean, that's that's the thing. When you're playing against the best teams and you get a big result, it's it's incredible. That's uh, still the probably, the, yeah, among the the most incredible moments I've witnessed at the Emirates Stadium. Probably, maybe, maybe that's number one, you know. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I think there is a lot going for the Champions League. I think it's difficult. I think that it's draining. I think that you need a big squad, but I also think it gives you the financial yeah. power to have a big squad and have yeah. those big players who are willing to do it. So I think it's as help as much as it's a hindrance. And, and I, on balance, I, I would certainly rather be in it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't get Mesut Ozil or Alexis Sanchez if you don't have Champions League football. Simple as that. Yeah. So that's part of it. What we do after we get those players is another question, of course. But uh, but there you go. So yeah, I think we've cleared that one up, haven't we? And of course, yeah, the sell advertising. So. 
Actually. Of course, all the all the delicious advertising, all the all the Gazprom mm. everywhere. Mm, delicious Gazprom, mm, mm. Gazprom light, <laughs> cherry Gazprom. Mm. <laughs> all right, I've I've got one more here. Go on, before then. we go. Um, did you see the program yesterday? Yes. Is this going to be about Olivier Giroud? This is about Olivier Giroud. And, right, yeah. Um, there's a Q&A thing, and they ask him, what's the thing, that he dre- <laughs> the thing that he dreaded most? And he says, this is so funny, but my brothers are older than me. I was the youngest, and they used to tease me about a kid's TV character called Alf. Do you know him? Alf the alien. My God, <laughs> he was so ugly, and I was so scared of him. My brothers used to say, be careful. Alf is going to get you tonight. <laughs> they went too far with it. <laughs> I love the idea of Giroud being petrified by Alf. Yeah, I know. So funny. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. But but this comes from Ben H., who's at Neon Away Shirts. And uh, he says, Giroud has said he's scared of Alf when he was younger. Did you or do you have any irrational fears? Good question. I tell you what, it scared me last night. I watched the BBC have just started a new series of Planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? I did see it, and I think we have a, a question. Uh, John Bartley, who's at Tippy Tappy Flea, says, Did you see Planet Earth 2 last night? Aren't snakes cunts? <laughs> I mean, honestly, these snakes, guys, if you haven't seen this show, you've got to seek it out. Oh. I've never seen anything like it. It was the stuff of nightmares, wasn't it? Do, I, do you yeah. want to explain it? Basically, as far as I... I think that there are some marine iguanas... And they are on a volcanic island in the Galapagos, I think it was. Mm. And they, uh, they're young, are sort of born, you know, like baby turtles, like in the beach, you know, in the sand, as it were. Uh, yeah. Or is it sand? Or it's like, yeah. it's not sand, but it's like rock or I don't know. Yeah. And they hatch out and then they have to sprint um, over across to where their elders are. You know, they have to make a dash. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, down to the sea. They've got to dash about, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing a couple hundred yards, something like that. And uh, as they do, these snakes lie in wait. And they, there are, I mean, I can't emphasize enough. I, I know all snakes look evil, but these are like, even in the snake world, other snakes are like, oh yeah, those guys are cunts. Yeah, those are the cuntiest snakes of all time because they, they sort of, they sense. The iguana, they could, they're not, the, the, the guy says, uh, the, the, uh, the eyesight's not great, but they can sense movement. So there's one bit, isn't there, where there's an iguana, baby iguana standing there completely still, and there's a snake yeah. slithering by, and he's like, shit, I can't move here. So he slithers by, and, uh, the movement then attracts, like, about, I don't know, 10 other snakes, and they all come together. It's like a, it's like a snake sound wave. They're all moving at the same time, slithering after them. The little iguana's going, tick, 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 trying to sprint, and then he thinks, oh, deadly, I've made it to the rocks. And as they get to the rocks, about 10 other snake cunts are there to eat them. It's, Ambush them. Do you know what, though? I, I mean, I've, I've got an issue with the iguana parents. I right, feel yeah. like they could probably find safer sand to bury their eggs in, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think they've thought it through. Move. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Move. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's but, yeah, terrifying. That's the thing. It's awful. So, uh, But the thing is, I'm not sure that's an irrational fear. I think that's fairly rational to be scared of those snakes. Yeah. I Here's my fear, which I'll admit. Um, birds 
indoors. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, just the idea of it, like I'm sitting here now trying not to be sick. Like if there was a bird in this office right now. Flapping around, around, banging against <laughs> it. I'd be out the door. Seriously, I'll tell you a story. I was in a, a car crash. <laughs> Many years ago, oh, I was. Sorry, I wasn't laughing about the car crash. No, it's sorry. okay. But I was, I was in a in a car crash, and uh, w- broke my arm very badly. And then, like four months later, the doctor said your arm's not getting any better. And I went, yes, I know. So I had to go in and get surgery on it, and you know, get the metal plate and pins and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So um, I'm in this. I actually watched Arsenal beat Chelsea in in that um, hospital room. I don't know how. I think Stephen Hughes scored a couple of goals or Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was that that game? Anyway, I you know, got my arm in this enormous sling and plaster thing because they've done the surgery and you know there's bits of it's sore, it's painful, everything's painful. I go into the bathroom uh to uh to relieve myself and there sitting in the window of the bathroom is a pigeon. Oh god. And I'm like can't go in there. I can't go in there. There's a pigeon in there. I'm just, you know, just can't. I'm not doing it. And uh, I think uh, I think the dinner lady, the tea lady had to come along, the woman who, like, brings the trays around of all the terrible food, and uh, had to go, there's a, there's a pigeon in there. And she went in and went, get out, you fucking pigeon, cunt you! And the pigeon went... <laughs> <laughs> pigeon, went <laughs> pigeon went out the window, flapped away... Uh, and I was able to use about, but like just terrified. I cannot deal with birds indoors or flapping the flappiness of them. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's appalling to me. Appalling. I, I can understand that. I can see it definitely. You know, confined spaces, mm. flapping, horrible. Yes, really bad. And not nice for the bird either. No, I wouldn't have thought so. But you know, it chose to come inside. True. Yeah. So true, there. True. So that's my that's my irrational fear. Okay, I mean, I don't like the snakes. I also, I used to have a recurring nightmare that I was playing piano at a concert and uh, Wario from <laughs> Mario Kart used to burst in and ruin the concert and I was very scared of Wario. That, for, that was a recurring you know. dream? Yeah, yeah, when I was quite young, I used to have recurring dream that Wario would come in and, and oh, ruin wow. my piano playing. I so, always, always played with Wario when I played um, Mario well, Kart. Good job you never played with me because I would I would have been terrified. Right. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> Evil warrior. Well, those are our irrational fears. Um, mm. uh, not too bad, I don't think. I don't think no. we're, we're... Yeah, no one's going to... Could have been worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. A lot worse. All right, well, look, we're going to leave it there. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be an Arsecast on Friday because it's the interlobe, but we'll see, see what transpires. Do remember, Thursday 24th of... Uh, November, the day after the PSG game, it'll be the Arscast Extra Extra Live. Uh, and uh, we'll give you details on tickets across Twitter and on the website. So uh, thanks for listening. As ever, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.